Welcome to Season 3 of How About We Do This Together, a podcast of the Northwest Christian Network. Season 3 is based around the 2023 Northwest Christian Convention, happening in Turner from July 27th to July 2nd. Follow the link in the show notes to register before the convention and to watch the videos after the convention is over. I hope you enjoy today's episode as we talk about how we can do this thing called the church together. Afternoon. Thank you for braving the heat to come out and uh, learn a little bit about Live Church Solutions. Um, introduce myself. I'm Terry Bird. My wife Patty's in the back. She wrenched her back earlier this afternoon, so please say a prayer for her. She's going to stay san- standing. Um, we have uh, four children, eleven grand, well, ten grandchildren, and one in the oven, and uh, so that means we have eleven grandchildren. And this session is supposed to be about 50 minutes long, I think. So that would give me about seven minutes per grandchild to share with you about my grandchildren. So, but we do love them all. They all love and serve the Lord. And I could literally spend an hour up here telling you about my children and grandchildren. But that's not why we're here. Uh, We are here to see what the Lord can do through technology in the church. And... um, uh, so I want to start off with a little bit of a um, an opener that is uh, trivia. Most people like trivia, so we're going to start out with that. Oh wait, I got to get the prizes. Everyone needs an extra payday, right? So, first question. Control plus C equals copy. Control plus X is cut. Control plus blank. First one. V, that's correct. Some people would say P for paste. But P is what? Print. Payday. (laughs) All right, number two. One gigabyte is equal to how many megabytes? Nope. Uh, 1,024. I'm not familiar with that. Is he right? Sorry about that. I never promised to be a good thrower. 1,000 is what I thought. What does the acronym P-I-N stand for? Personal identification. Correct. Watch your head. Good job. Number, let's move on. What popular operating system launched in 1991 also had its own mascot, Tux the Penguin? Linux. Number five. What word is often abbreviated as FN on the keyboard? Function, that's correct. Oh, getting better. Number six, we only have two more. What computer and printer giant was founded in 1939 in Palo Alto, California? Right, HP, correct. Good catch. And last one, what device was announced in 2007 with the slogan, this is only the beginning? 
Someone in the back? No? iPhone. That's correct. <laughs> so that gives you just a little way to open up. Um, as mentioned, I'm from Live Church Solutions. We provide um, uh, apps for churches, and we do it absolutely free. I'll talk a little bit more about it at the end of the session. But first, I want to just go over some technology things that have to do with the church. Um, the first one is, um, in 1 Corinthians 10:31, it says, Whatever you do, eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And as I thought about that verse, I had to think about the fact that technology, some people have a poor view of technology. Some people think technology has no place in the church. Um, on that end of the spectrum, some people think technology is the greatest thing ever. But where I come down is, even in technology, we should do it all to God's glory. It should give Him glory. Whatever we do, it should give Him glory. Um, technology is just a tool which can be used to serve the Lord or for evil. Either one. Uh, all of us know the... Uh, Stories of the bad things that are on the Internet, kids that get on the Internet. Um, I heard a statistic the other day. I think it's uh, children's first exposure to porn is between the ages of 8 and 10. That's just sad. It's extremely sad. I was a school administrator at a Christian school for 34 years. And in that time, I can tell you that that statistic is probably true uh, in today's world. And so there are some very evil things on the Internet and evil things technology can do. But on the flip side of that, um, what Satan meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. And we can use it uh, for good. Um, each church has its own view, as I said. Some people, uh, some churches really feel like it shouldn't be part of their uh, program. There are three different types of people in the world. The first is, so raise your hand which, whichever one you are. The first one is um, the person who loves technology, has to have the latest gadget, or wishes they could afford the latest gadget, and uh, just goes all in for technology. Are you that person? Okay, just about everyone who got a payday. Okay, good. <laughs> the next group... These are the people who like technology. It's good. They enjoy it. But they don't want to be bothered with the details. Just use it. It's good. Okay, that's the biggest portion. And then there's that third group. And those are the ones who think technology is the Antichrist. Any of those in here? Okay. There may be. Um, but truly, uh, churches have that same uh, kind of range. But most churches, most people fall in the middle. They like technology. They're glad when it works and when it does what it's supposed to do. And so when it works, they're glad to use it. But they don't really want to know all the nuts and bolts and details about it. And uh, so, but, so we're going to look at five different aspects of technology. There are literally probably hundreds of things we could talk about today. I'm going to take a shotgun approach. In other words, we have some people here that are probably not very versed with technology at all. 
And then there are some people who are really good at technology and know a lot of information about it. I'm going to try to hit right in the middle and kind of scatter some information to both groups. Um, I always tell people I'm not a technology guy. I'm not a computer guy. I'm a church guy. I love the church. I've been ordained. I was ordained in 1982. I've served the Lord as a, camp, as a campus minister, as a children's minister, as a youth minister, as an education director, as a preacher, and as a school administrator, as I said, the last 34 years. So I've been literally in every aspect of the church. So that's what I am. I'm a church guy. But I do like technology, and I do believe that it can serve the church in a great way. Well, the computer is the, is the center of any technology discussion. If we're going to talk about technology, we have to talk about computers. Um, and you see on the screen, at least I hope you do, Apple and Microsoft. Opens, helps to open the... There we go. I closed it because this is a no-no, putting your water next to your computer, but... Anyway, so how many Apple people do we have in here? My wife is raising her hand in the back. Thank you. How many Microsoft or PCs? Okay. Um, years ago, as most of you know, those were uh, very far apart and never the twain shall meet. But in recent years, uh, especially with the Internet and all that's available there, uh, more and more it's, you can do just about anything with either one. Uh, they go either way, so, uh, which I think is a good thing. So the first uh, area of the church that we want to look at is the church office. Now, all of us, most of our churches have an office, or at least we have a secretary or someone who works in there that takes care of different things. The church secretary must be proficient on the computer. Um, I'll tell you a story of... Uh, few weeks ago, well, probably it's been a few months ago now, I went into a church that has about 500 people. And I happened to know the secretary there, so I, as I came in, she said, Terry, Terry, guess what? I learned something new today. And I said, oh, that's great. What did you learn? She said, I learned how to mail merge. Now, those of you that know computers know that mail merge is a pretty simple thing that most secretaries would already know. If you get the job of secretary, you probably are going to know how to mail merge. It basically takes a spreadsheet and combines it into with a word uh, a page of word processing and puts it out. Uh, but she had just learned that, um, and she was a secretary of a church of 500 people. And I, I tell you that story because we can't assume that people know how to run their machines or how to run their computers. When we hire a church secretary, we need to know that. Um, but... That is not just um, something that is a, you know, something we say, well, you can't mail merge, you're fired. No, we should, as churches, we should provide training for the church secretary so that they can either take a class at the junior college. Um, most of us have junior colleges somewhere close to our, uh, where we live. And junior colleges are great for basic classes in Excel, Microsoft Word, things like that. Or they could take an online class. But the church should provide that money so that the secretary can get up to speed on whatever she needs to do. Um, also, churches should make computer upgrades um, part of their budget. And this is something that, I, as I've gone from church to church, I've seen 
Most churches will buy a computer, and they'll put it in the office, and it'll stay there in that form until it dies. Amen. <laughs> amen, that's good, or amen, or, uh, yeah. or, but what happens more often is it becomes so outdated that it can't run the newer programs. And so what I recommend is churches should have a, a small budget, and if you budget it out, it's not that expensive to keep your machines up to date. It's just like any other line item. It just needs to be taken care of. Um, also, along with that, if we will keep our machines up to date, then when um, advances come out, uh, we'll be able to take advantage of them. Uh, if, our, if we have an old machine that runs really slow, all of you have probably experienced this. You're trying to do something on an old machine. And it's running so slow, you just give up. I do that all the time. I'm just like, no, I'm not doing going there. So um, that's what I encourage churches to do with their with their programs. Some common programs that um, churches use in the office are church management software. How many of you are familiar with any church management software? Some of you, okay. There's a couple. One is called Planning Center, probably the most common, and you've probably heard of it or seen it. Um, if you get notices, email notices from your church, it's very likely Planning Center that's sending those out, developing those and sending them out. The other one is called Breeze. That's also a very popular one. Uh, it's not, it's, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that Planning Center does, but it does do a lot. Uh, both of those you can look at online. The third one that I listed here is our program called CHUMS. Uh, it stands for Church, C-H-U, Management Software. Um, and that that uh, church management software, all, as I said earlier, all of our stuff is open sourced and it's free. And so you can go in and use it at no cost. Now, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that either one of the ones before do. So you're, you may decide, um, you know, we would rather pay you a little bit of extra money and get these extra things. Uh, eventually, we will. Chums has only been around. We've only developed it about three years. So it's really more like in the beta stage. But it is coming along very nicely. Um, all of our programs are open source, so people can get on our GitHub. Um, if we have any programmers in here, by the way, get on GitHub and look up Live Church Solutions, and you can help us keep our programs, uh, develop our programs. Another thing that the church office does is church directory. Um, I don't know if anyone is doing the paper directories anymore does anyone know about that most all of them are do they still do them yeah yeah i like having a paper copy um but these church management uh, softwares will make a digital directory and you can search and find your members really easily um nursery check-in how many of our churches have nursery check-in raise your hand if your church does just a few um, it's really something that's coming along. Um, our, our church management software offers it, but it is something that many churches kind of fight against uh, because it kind of imperson- it's, it's a little bit impersonal. You know, if you have a church of, say, 50 people and you have to check your children in, there's five children and they come every week, and the nursery worker's their aunt, then why do we need to have a nursery check-in? And so, uh, but my thought is, and what I encourage churches is as to start developing it so that if and when you're ready to put it in, you can put it in. 
because what it does for new families is it helps new families to feel secure. If they come to the check-in and they check in their child, their child is no more safe than if they didn't check in their child. But they think they are. And they know that you have gone the extra step to take care of their child. And that's huge in today's world. Uh, you know, we hear of all the terrible things that happen with the shootings and all that stuff. And we can always say, you know, that will never happen here. But everyone that that happens to has said that will never happen here. So I just encourage you, if you don't have nursery check-in, to investigate it, either through our program or another, and start developing and getting it ready so when, when you decide to do it, you're already there. There is some expense to it. Those printers aren't cheap, the little uh, label printers. I think the ones that we use are about $400. And so you would want to put some money aside and then buy it, um, you know. But then after that, um, the expense is pretty minimal. So you have a pretty big setup cost, four or $500, but then after that, uh, it's just a matter of buying the labels. They also do scheduling, um, which is great for churches. If you have a, a larger church and you have several buildings or different rooms that need scheduled for whatever, um, they do that. Online giving. Let's stop here for just a second and talk about online giving. Probably the fastest growing area of church churches today is online giving. It's exploding because everybody, 20 years ago, I was working at Tyrell Christian School, and we tried to go to a system where we pulled tuition out of people's bank accounts. And we would just, you know, they would sign up for tuition, and instead of writing us a check, they would sign up to have it automatically drawn from their account. And we had so much backlash on that. No, you know, we had half of the people wouldn't do it. They just would not go there. Um, but today, uh, it took us about 10 years before we finally implemented that. So 10 years ago, we were able to implement it. Today, when new families come to the school, it's a no-brainer. They assume that's the way it's going to be. They don't even think that, that there's an option there. And so new families, new, uh, younger families, are very used to doing everything online. So they give online. Uh, they do everything online. So, But online giving is expensive. You know if you pay with a credit card, it's a, there's a fee attached to that. And uh, most fees right now are around 3% is what you pay when you pay with a credit card. But when you pay through a church management system, you're not always, but sometimes you're paying an extra 3%. So not only are you paying the 3% the credit card is asking for, but you're paying 3% on top of that for the management of it. Um, with our system that we have, there's only the 3%. We can't get out of that. If we could get out of that, we would, but we can't. So it's only the 3% that you will be paying plus a 30 cent transaction fee that they charge us. Um, so, Yes. Exactly. Exactly, and that's what I do. Even when I send when I send donations to Live Church Solutions, which I do because I believe in it. If I send donations there, I send them through my bank because there's no charge there. You're not going to lose any. No one's losing any money. Um, 
Another thing about online giving is I think we need to be careful as a church who our online giving money is going to. Last, two, uh, back in March, there's a, an online giving platform called PushPay. Are any of you familiar with that? It's probably the lar- it is the largest one in the world. Uh, it, but it only services ch- churches. It was designed and set up by Christian people to service the church. Most mega churches use it. A lot of smaller churches use it. Um, I think Breeze maybe uses it and maybe even Planning Planning Center. I'm not sure. But PushPay, back in March, was sold to a New Zealand hedge fund for $895 million. They bought the whole thing. So now, everyone, every church that has PushPay their 3% or whatever it is, is going to the hedge fund. It's no longer going to at least guys who were Christians or Christian investors or so on and so forth. That's why I say we need to be careful who we're giving our money to. And so um, I just encourage you, whenever you're thinking about online giving or your church is thinking about online giving, investigate, investigate, investigate. Don't just say, oh, well, that looks like a good deal. Let's do it. The way they get you, the way PushPay gets you somewhat, is fees. It's not so much on the each amount, but there's fees attached to your church. Your church is paying fees, and the bigger your church gets, the more fees they pay. That's how they make their money. So, um, like I said, just investigate. Make sure that whatever system you're using is a good system. And I, I encourage people to say, check out who the money's going to. I would much rather my money be going to a Christian organization or one that I know is not going to be um, uh, way out there than uh, someone that I do. So how much are the fees? Last couple things I want to talk about, church secretary's word processing. This is something we've all been doing for many, many years, so we won't, don't need to cover a lot of that. Uh, budget. Uh, but but on word processing, a lot of times what happens with word processing is as they make updates, as Microsoft makes updates to Microsoft Word and Apple makes updates to the pages, if we're not paying attention, they'll be able to do a lot more stuff and we won't know. Because I learned how to use Microsoft Word in 1998, I think. And so as, as it comes along, I hadn't used Word for many years and then I started using it again. I was like, wow, this is like a brand new program. It can do all this stuff. That's why I think it's important to make sure the church secretary has continuing education. So she's always up to date on what the things can do. Or he, he or she, whichever one it is. Um, next thing is the budget. Of course, we all know kind of how that works and how we can use Excel spreadsheets. Um, flyers and advertising, there's a couple programs. One is called Adobe, which many people are familiar with, but there's another one called Canva. Does anyone use Canva? Okay, great. Canva is a great online program. You can go on there and use it for free. I've got a sheet that I'm going to hand out at the end that has a bunch of different websites that you can use. Uh, it's listed on there, but Canva is awesome uh, because if you even if you only use the free part of it, which is what I use, there's so much you can do on there. Um, and then uh, if you want to pay a little bit and get the pro, you can do a ton more. So uh, check Canva out. 
And the other one is Adobe. Adobe is used to be you could buy Adobe and install it on your computer, but now I think it's all a subscription. Yeah. So you pay so much a month. Oh, really? Oh, wow. That's good information. Okay. Sure, check into that. That's a great advantage. Um, I'm, I'm always designing stuff on Canva, and when I get it done, um, it'll, one of the images I used was from Pro. And so it won't let me print, <laughs> download it or anything. I'm like, oh, dead gummit, i got to go back in and find another uh, image to use. But, yeah, that's great information. If it will, that's, that's super. And, by the way, if you have any questions in this whole seminar, feel free to jump in. Yes. That's awesome. That's great. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if the church pays for it, um, it's a little bit out of your budget, but most church secretaries are not getting rich. So if you can pay for it so that they can do it and it's no expense on them, that would be awesome. Oh, nothing else? Okay. Uh, the next area I want to talk about for just a few minutes is websites. Um, how many of your churches have a website? Okay, most of us have a, at least a, a basic re- website. Here's a website from Northeast Christian Church. And um, just the question is, what is your website? What is the purpose of your website? Why do we have a website? And let's, let's just take some answers from, from the crowd. Most people search for churches. Yes. Yep. Yes. Right. And as you say, said, statistics show us that new people in a community, the first thing they look for if they're looking for a church is their website. That's the first thing they see. And so it goes back to the scripture we talked about at the first. We need to make sure our website is glorifying God and that it is good. I mean, I think God wants us to do the very best we can. And that's kind of the way I approach life. Do the very best you can. And so our websites need to be that way. But there are some common problems I just want to run over real quickly. Um, First one is what I call the cluttered format. If you take a look at this website, if this is your website, please don't come and get me. I just pulled this off online. I just went online and found one. But look how much is going on there. There's a lot going on. And so it looks kind of like when you first see it visually, it's like, okay, where do I go? What do I look for? And, I mean, they have some great information. They're talking about their vacation Bible school. Got their calendar over here. Um, Welcome up there. So on and so forth. But it's just kind of cluttered. 
The next uh, one is too much information. No one is going to read this, I'll promise you. <laughs> no one's going to read all the way through it. Now, um, to be fair, this website is actually not a church website. It's one that um, is to help churches. Are you familiar with it? Okay. And, and so, it, I mean, it, but it's okay. But to me, if I went to this website, I may just move on just because there's so much to read. Um, but too much information. Be careful how much information you put on your first page of your website. The next um, thing is an outdated format. Back to the first one. Notice this format where you have all your uh, menu items at the top, and then each one of them is a pull-down. Um, that design is from about 2004, maybe, 2006, something like that. Um, I lay ceramic tile, uh, part-time job. I lay, I've done millions of pounds, it seems, of tile, ceramic tile in bathrooms. The other day, I heard about, in our neighboring town, that a tile store had gone out of business, and they had all their warehouse. They were, they were just giving it away. Whatever Anybody that drove in there could go in and just carry out the ceramic tile. So, of course, I went down there. I thought, I'll get some that I can use even though I don't have any jobs going on now, as I, when I went in and started looking around, that ceramic tile was probably 10 years old, probably from 19, tw or 2012, 2015. And you wouldn't think that ceramic tile has a, you know, is dated, but it is. And if you looked at the tile I'm laying today compared to the tile I laid 10 years ago, it's night and day. It's told, Ten years ago, I never laid uh, subway tiles. Anyone know what subway tile is? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's all the rave now. Everyone wants subway tile. I've laid three bathrooms with subway tile. Ten years ago, never laid it. So what I'm saying is, if it's true with tile, and anyone remember shag carpet? <laughs> if it's true with carpet, if it's true with tile, it's true with websites. And so when someone looks at your website, do they think, oh, this church is up to date, this church is, um, you know, working hard to, to make, make it attractive? Or do they think, you know, I'm going back in time if I go to this church? Here's an example of a, of a nice, clean, up-to-date website. Notice there's hardly any words on the front page. Now, if we could scroll down, you would see uh, different categories that you can click on. Uh, studies have shown us that scrolling is good, clicking is bad. So the less, the more clicking you can get out and the more scrolling you can get in, the better. Um, does anyone know why that is? Exactly, cell phones. Your website must be formatted for a cell phone. If it's not, you're losing a lot of people. I don't know if you've ever gone on a website that's not formatted for a cell phone and you got on your phone and you're like trying to get it to, to do anything. It has to be formatted for a cell phone. So in, if your church website isn't, that needs to be revised. I would say we need to revise our websites every two to three years. Just totally redesign them. Just go back through and look and, and, and work on things. This one is actually done by one of my former students. Um, and he did a great job on it. It's just a, it's a beautiful website. It just shows 
um, a welcoming, um, warm atmosphere. And that's what you want when you have a church website. The next area we need to look at is social media. Um, This may not be your favorite area because some people don't like social media. Probably most people don't. Uh, There's a lot of junk on social media. But the truth is, social media is here to stay. And if the church is going to be effective, um, we need to... Well, let let me rephrase that. I suppose a church could be effective without social media. But if we're going to be effective with social media, we need to know how to do it. We need to understand it. And so the average person spends two hours a day on social media. Okay, if you have an iPhone or an Android, either one, open your phone, go to your settings, see how many hours a day you've been spending. Yeah, all of us have done that, right? And you get the little notice on Sunday that says, I don't know, do you all get it on Sunday? I get mine on Sunday. That says, and it's, it's always kind of uh, hits my conscience because I'm thinking, here I am in church and here this screen time thing pops up. And I think, oh, I hope my screen time was less this week than it was the week before. But two hours a day, it's, it's, it's really true. So if people are spending two hours a day on social media, then we need to be able to, to help them uh, come close to the Lord. What do, we, what do we do with social media? Um, the three most, uh, uh, if, you're not, if your church isn't using social media right now, I recommend Instagram, Facebook, and, and YouTube to start out with. They're the simplest, easiest, most prolific social media platforms. Um, and you can get on there and you can uh, post ads. You can post. The thing that I, that I encourage people to do is begin small. Uh, you know, don't think you're going to take social media by storm. Uh, don't be surprised if you don't go viral the first week. Just start out small. Just uh, advertising and putting things. Uh, you should post two to four times a week. Um, that keeps it in front of people. They can see it. They can know what's going on. The best time, studies have shown us, is between 9 and noon, Monday through Friday. So, like on Facebook, you can schedule your post to go out at a certain time. So try to get them to go out between 9 and noon, Monday through Friday. Um, That's what studies tell us. But what do I post? There's a ton of stuff you can post. Um, Scripture, video of your church service. What I would caution a video of your church service is, leave the singing out. Now, that's not a criticism necessarily, but our modern ears are not used to hearing raw music coming over the airwaves. You know what I'm saying? And so when we hear music coming from a church that's raw, and what I mean is not processed, it doesn't sound good. And you may have the, the, the greatest person up there on, your, on stage. Now, if they're really, really good, almost professional, it'll sound fine. But if, they're work, if they work at the grocery store during the week and they just volunteer to lead songs or do song, songs, it's probably not going to sound that great. So I just say leave it out. Um, and then, um, but videotape your messages, the preacher's messages, and uh, the service in that way. Um, also, happy photos of church activities. Um, don't post photos that are not positive. Why would you post a bad picture of your, of your church? 
um, post photos that are happy um, where people can see what's going on. Uh, or if you have someone in your church that has a Christian blog, you can post that as well. Yes. Yeah, I think the live service needs to have the music because there are people at home that are that are worshiping literally at that time. But once it goes out, like on social media or something, or like a few days, uh, clip out the songs. Now you can judge that and be honest. You know, I love the people who sing at my church. I've known them for their whole lives. Most of them are younger than me, and I love them. But I don't want to hear them sing over the over Facebook. It's just not good. Now, in the auditorium, they sound fine. So it it's really is a difference, I think, of just how media processes music. So be honest, you know, and, and uh, talk to your people and say, you know, that just doesn't sound good. You know, you're great in the auditorium, and that's good. But, because my guess is if you're already um, sending it out, what's that? Yes. Exactly. And churches that do it well, if you know South, is it Southeast or Southwest in Louisville, Kentucky, where Kyle Eidelman is, uh, get online and look at his. That is done well, but they spend millions of dollars on that sound. I mean, it's a lot of money to make it sound that good. So I just encourage you to be honest and look at it. If it doesn't sound good, take it out. Make sure all posts are positive. That should go without saying. Um, I preached a sermon I, I did last Sunday on the joy of the Lord. And one of my the things I like to say is some Christians look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. You know? Why? We should be the happiest people in the world. When people look on our website, they should see happiness. They should see the joy of the Lord. You had something? Yes. Yes. Um, and what he, what he said was make sure you're licensed to broadcast whatever you're broadcasting. And there are licensing agencies that do that. I don't remember what they're called, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Everything has to be above board. That's right. Typically, if if it's a public or um, group, you don't have to get um, permission. Um, and even if someone's walking out on the sidewalk, you can film them and no permission needed. But if it's a specific, let's say you go into a Sunday school class. And you take a photo of a couple little kids in there. I would recommend talking to their parents and getting a signature on that. Uh, because they're, especially children. Because there are some children that their parents don't want them on, online. And uh, so we avoided that at the school by when everyone signed up, they had to sign a release for that. And some people didn't. We had a few parents who didn't. So, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the last couple things, look at the data that you're, when you send out things on Facebook, look at the analytics, see how many people are clicking it, 
how much is going through, how many people are paying attention to it. And you can find all that on Facebook. It just takes a little bit of research to figure out how to do that. Um, create accounts to target specific audiences, like maybe a mom's group or Sunday school classes or men's group, whatever you have. Create different accounts for them. Keep your information up to date. I was speaking to someone uh, in the uh, earlier in one of the sessions, and that was his pet peeve. He said, it drives me crazy when I go on these websites and they're talking about our Easter service, and it's in the middle of summer. You know, they, no one's gotten back on the website. What I encourage churches to do, make your website as generic as possible. Use Facebook to, for the dates and times. That way, if you're, you don't have to continually update your, your uh, website, you know, when every date passes. Uh, and... Uh, make sure that you put someone in charge of that. Some churches um, don't seem to have anyone in charge of the website. It just gets done. You know, there's a couple people with with um, uh, administrative per, um, administrative privileges, and they go in and fix it. But it's like, oh, did you didn't do that? No, I forgot to do that. Oh, okay, we need to get that done. Make sure there's a specific person does the website and social media. We got to hurry. Techn I knew this was going to happen. Technology in the classroom. Um, today, most uh, on, most curriculum involves some kind of audiovisual something. It's either a DVD or it's a uh, uh, live stream, or not a live stream, but a uh, video that comes from somewhere. And so, the good thing about technology in the classroom is it, you can present high-quality current information, and it looks really nice. Let's say you have, excuse me, if, you, if you're using Orange, how many are familiar with Orange or have heard of Orange? Orange is a really popular children's curriculum, um, and it's very high-quality, very nice, but it's also very expensive. Our curriculum that we offer uh, on, on lessons.church is like orange in that formatted like orange, but it doesn't cost you anything. You can use it for free as much as you want to use it, give it away. It's open source. Um, it provides structure for the lesson, helps keep students engaged, and it can be used as a springboard for class discussion and participation. The bad things that can happen with technology are some things are out of your control, like Electricity. <laughs> if the power goes down and you don't have a plan B, you're singing Kumbaya for an hour and a half during children's church. So uh, I always encourage people, if they're doing using technology, always have a plan B. It's not just power. Sometimes these things don't work. Sometimes the Wi-Fi doesn't work. There are lots of different things that can happen. Um, sometimes the teacher's not prepared. And that usually goes back to the fact that the teacher thinks the technology is teaching the lesson. I always tell everyone, technology doesn't teach anyone. People teach people. It's life on life. We can use technology as a tool, and it can keep interest and maybe do some things, but never think that it's a substitute for a real-life body, a real-life person. Um, that's what this next uh, point is. And also it takes a little training. Um, for Lessons.Church, there's a little bit of a learning curve on how to use it. 
nice thing about our curriculum is it's very customizable. You can use as much of it or as little bit of it as you like, and it's very easy to do. Marquee signs. This is the uh, lighted signs that you see outside of churches. Um, there's, a, there's one, West Acres, Baptist Church. That's a nice sign and very expensive. <laughs> 40000 There you go. The, that, the, the pros are they're clean and modern. They look really great, especially today. When they first came out, they didn't look that great to me. They were very uh, pixelated, and I didn't think they were that great. But today, they have the technologies done so well that they look really nice. Um, you can put current, up-to-date information. If you have a special service coming that night, you can run it right on your sign. Um, the bad things, the cost. 10000 is a low estimate. And they go up to, well, you said forty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 for signs. It's incredible. Uh, and they do take a little bit of maintenance. Our sign at our church is a digital sign, and uh, we've had to do quite a bit of maintenance on it the last couple of years. It's about eight or ten years old, uh, so they do take maintenance. The next one is indoor digital signage, and this is signs that you would hang in your church building. The nice thing about them is that they have a variety of uses. You can do announcements. You can do um, uh, directions like my son in his church they uh, when church services start all of their signs are pointing people to where they should go so you know two year olds this way uh, youth group this way whatever and then at the end of service it's running all the announcements which is really nice because you can you know you can use them that way uh, they cl they're clean they look very nice they've gotten televisions down now that they're cheap enough to where you can use them. Um, the bad things are they do cost. They're not, they're not free. Uh, and they must be kept current. Once again, you don't want to be advertising your Easter program two weeks after Easter. You know, on Sunday morning. That's not a good idea. And they have potential for glitches. Just a real quick commercial. My son owns this business called Sign Presenter. Uh, if you go online, I put their information on the page too. $10 a screen. Half of what they get goes to Live Church Solutions. So $5 out of every 10 goes to Live Church Solutions. It's an awesome program, easy to use, and it, he's got it in chiropractor's offices, in churches, uh, all over the country. And people are using it. Any questions about technology or uh, anything about technology before we go? Just We only have a few minutes and I'll promise you I will let you out of here by 3.30. Okay, I've got a real short video I want to show you, if it'll work. Let's see if it does. Oh, we don't have, well, we might have some. No, it didn't work that time. Let's see, let's try it again. Here it comes. Do we have sound? We don't, do we? No. I should have done a better job. See, people that use technology mess up all the time. <laughs> I should have done a better job of preparing him for that. But anyway, here is our mission at Life Church Solutions. 
We desire to see the local church grow by providing modern technology solutions, logistics, instruction, mentoring, and spiritual content. This will be a catalyst to help foster the love of Jesus Christ, inspire growth, and reach more people for him. Our theme, our uh, cornerstone verse is Acts 2.44. And that is where it says that um, they had all things in common. The people were selling their property and giving to each one that had need. The, the understanding that I get from that verse is when the church can share, it should share. Um, it's a simple concept. If church A has a lawnmower and church B doesn't have a lawnmower, church A should share their lawnmower with church B. That doesn't seem hard, does it? But our churches through the years have become so, we're, on, we're here, we're here, you're over here. And never will they meet. Never will they meet. This concept, I believe, technology is one area where the church can share. Um, We, like I said, all of our programs are open source. Every uh, thing that we do is absolutely free. We will never charge. We'll never sell. It'll always be free as long as we remain here until the Lord comes back, we hope. And... We want to make it, we want to change the dynamic, at least of the programs that we offer, so churches don't have to feel like, okay, are we going to buy a quality children's curriculum, or do we want to keep the lights on this month? You know, I had a friend who, um, she was, uh, they have a, a church of about 100 people, and our target church is 100 or less. They, they have a church of about 100 people, and she said they had a, a few youth, and they have a, a young couple that's working with the youth. But the church isn't able to pay them anything. I mean, when they take the kids out for ice cream or whatever, church doesn't pay them a dime. They can't. They don't have any money. They're doing good to pay their preacher and to pay the, keep the lights on and pay for the air conditioner. So I asked her, how much are you spending on children's curriculum? How much are you spending on church management software? How much are you spending on web design? And it adds up to about $100 a month for that church. If they used our products, if they used our ministry products, they would save 100 a month. And that would free up $100 for them to give to that youth pastor and for that couple that's helping. And that's what we're all about. We're not about getting rich. We're not about uh, getting big. We're about serving the church. My son... Um, I mentioned him earlier about a uh, uh, sign presenter. He goes to churches now, and he'll spend three months and help them set up our programs. So he'll, he has an RV, him and his wife, their children are grown. So they will drive, park their RV, work with the church for three months, then move on to the next church. They were in Delaware last, uh, last summer. They went to Florida in the winter, of course. <laughs> and then they came up through Texas. And they're getting ready to go down to Mississippi and work in some churches down there. So our concept is where the church should share, where the church can share, it should share. And so that's what we're doing. Um, we do live streaming. We do uh, a church app called B1. And it the church app connects all of our programs together. We do the church management, which I told you about earlier. And we also do Lessons.Church. And Lessons.Church, just real briefly, 
these programs, uh, there's a church in Texas, McKinney, Texas, called the Ark Church. And they, uh, several years ago, they were buying Orange Curriculum. And the leadership said, why are we spending all this money on Orange? We have enough people. We have some really talented people. Let's just design our own. So they built a million-dollar studio and started designing and doing their own uh, curriculum. And they wanted to give it away to other churches, but they didn't really have a platform to do that. So, you know, they had a few churches that would contact them and they could download it and use it. But whenever they met up with my son and he started talking to them, they said, you are exactly what we've been looking for. We can put your our content on your platform and we can give it to anybody in the United States or anybody in the world, literally. And so that's, that's who we use. We use the Ark Church uh, Church's plat, um, lessons. Now, some people have questioned about restoration movement. I'm a restoration movement guy. I was raised in the Christian church. My family is Church of Christ, Christian church, through and through. And so what we, and this church, Ark Church, is not a restoration church. Uh, it's an independent church. They don't have a denomination, but they're not restoration movement. But we have a, a, um, a lady named Carolyn Davis. She goes through every lesson. And if there's anything that's objectionable, either scripturally, obviously scripturally, but also that might offend restoration movement churches, we throw it out. We just don't use it. And so far, she hasn't had any problems. They baptize like we baptize. Um, but, you know, that's true with any curriculum you buy. There is not a restoration movement group printing children's curriculum right anymore that I know of. And so we have to kind of, you know, we, we have to work with it as we go. And like I said, it's not about the curriculum. It's about the teacher. And the teacher, ours is fully customizable. If you come up on a section and you're like, you know, I just don't really like the sound of that. I don't like the way that goes. Cut it out. Don't use it. It's just that simple. And it works perfectly. So I just want to encourage you, use technology. Um, don't be afraid of it. And if you, if you are interested in what we offer, um, I have some, I, I want to pass out this page first, but also on the back table, there are some cards. There's one that says, scan me. If you scan that card and then go to that website or go to the website either way and register, you'll be registered on all of our platforms. So, um, and if, if you're the first one from your church that is registered, after you get your email that says set your password, it'll say uh, write in your church. If you type in the first letters of your church and it doesn't show up, then register your church. And then anybody who registers after you will be able to find your church. So then you'll start building that database of people. So I have a lot more that I could share with you, but I'm totally out of time. We have a couple minutes. Are there any questions or thoughts before we close with a word of prayer? Everyone good? Praise the Lord. Everyone still awake? Comments? Criticisms? Snide remarks? None? Okay. Praise the Lord. We are located, I live in Tyro, Kansas, which is southeast Kansas. It's a little town just north of Tulsa, right on the state line. I live out in the country. That's where my office is. 
My son lives in Broken Arrow for now, but he'll, Oklahoma. Um, our, our nonprofit is based in Texas because that's where he lived when they first set it up. Um, but that's where we're out of. So we're kind of stuck right in the middle of the country. Yeah. Isn't that church in a community of maybe 400 people and the church is running 800? No, we're in a community of about 100 people and we run 800, yes. Yeah. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, oh, did you? Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah, we've been there for 35 years, I believe. But, um, yeah, it, my heart, as I said earlier, is for the church. Small churches, big churches, doesn't matter. Uh, but especially for the smaller churches as we can. There's no reason. You know, big churches can afford all this. Small churches, they struggle to make it. So there's no reason we shouldn't be able to share back and forth. So that's what we're all about. Let me pass these papers out. If I can get help passing these out. I'll let you go. Father, we thank you for this day. and We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, I pray that you will be with each church represented here. That um, everything they do will be to your glory and your honor. Father, we pray for a blessing upon them. We pray that you will uh, continue to be with Live Church as we... Uh, share the word of, of the things that we offer and pray that we will always constantly remember that you are in control. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This episode was produced by the Northwest Christian Network. Theme song is Simply Beautiful by Scott Riggin. The Northwest Christian Network is a network of Christians and churches gathering together to serve the kingdom and cast their net across the Northwest. Find out more about our ministries and events at www.nwchristiannetwork.com. I'm Matt Holmes. Thanks for listening.